four down and four to go. The home stretch for Stanford football is here. Let's dive deep into it with this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clary. It's Friday, November the 8th, 2019. Been a while since we've come at you. My weeks will tend to stretch out our posting schedule a little bit, but here we are, and we're getting you ready for Stanford versus Colorado coming up on Saturday afternoon. Thank you so much for being here with us. I'm indeed Troy Clarity. Happy to be with you. Stanford at 4-4 four and four and the Colorado Buffaloes at 3-6. and six. Buffs have lost five straight. Both of these teams need to get into the win column as Stanford tries to preserve its streak of 10 consecutive bowl games. You're going to hear from K.J. Costello, the Stanford quarterback. Had a chance to catch up with him one-on-one earlier this week. That's always that's always a super treat. And you're going to hear his thoughts on what he has to deal with between the time that the play is called and the time the ball is actually snapped. Very intriguing process. I think you're going to want to hear that. And plus, he'll take us inside the quarterback room as well. So, K.J. Costello, always compelling, always fun to watch, and always fun to chat with as well. Our one-on-one chat with him will come up a bit later on in the show. Uh, It's been busy. (laughs) It's been a real busy week for me personally. I just got back from uh, Corvallis, Oregon, home of Oregon State University. Some people call it Corvegas. Uh, I know the university doesn't quite like that distinction, but they're probably not listening, so I'll call it Core Vegas right here and now as well. But I uh, had fun doing the Pac-12 Network uh, soccer doubleheader on Thursday night. Big win for Oregon State women's soccer, beating Oregon in the 87th minute, the game-winning goal then. That was fun to call. And I'll be on the call for Stanford men's soccer against Washington on Sunday. A lot at stake for that one. You're going to be doing a lot of Pac-12 network watching, I hope, this weekend, not just on Sunday, but also on Saturday, because that's where Stanford football is on your TV dial. Noon kickoff, local time. Check that noon kickoff, Pacific time, uh, 1 p.m. kickoff out in Boulder. That game will be on the Pac-12 network as well. A lot to talk about, a lot to dive into, and a lot on the line for both teams. For Stanford football, we can boil much of it down to the three things you need to know about the Cardinal right now. Let's start with number one. Injuries, injuries, injuries. And while Stanford's coming off of a bye week and guys got healthy for the most part, that's certainly good news. It is status quo with the quarterbacks, KJ Costello, okay, at least okay enough uh, to start a football game and throw a football around. Davis Mills, still questionable, but he's making the trip. He's heading to Boulder there, trying to see if he might be able to uh, uh, perform and function uh, on the field throughout the course of the week. He's at the very least making tri- making the trip, so, so that is encouraging. So the quarterback situation, slowly but surely, uh, getting better and better, it seems, by the week. Hopefully it stays that way for the remainder of the year. Not so much at inside linebacker. Curtis Robinson earlier this week, was in the doubtful category for Stanford versus Colorado this week. David Shaw uh, didn't seem to be too keen on Robinson's prospects for playing this week, maybe next week, uh, up in Pullman. So, what does that mean for the inside linebacker rotation, Coach Shaw? Brian Beecher will play significantly, uh, obviously. Uh, We've got some young guys that have played in some games also this year that may have to rotate in. And once again, you talk about early in that game where 
we would play a lot of snaps. We had to rotate some guys to keep some guys fresh. So you may see some young guys out there. Um, we don't necessarily have a have a sequence right now. Kind of depends how the week goes. You're going to be seeing young guys, eh? That means that Tristan Sinclair, perhaps you might see him for the first time uh, since uh, he got a little uh, playing time against uh, UCF back in September. That might be one name to watch at the inside linebacker spot, along with Ryan Beecher, whether or not Curtis Robinson is able to go. But that is certainly a key, key point for Stanford defensively. Let's get to number two. And when you talk about heading to Boulder, and when you talk about heading to Colorado, obviously you talk about altitude. And one of the things I think is really cool about Colorado's athletic facilities, they take great pains to point out the altitude at all of them, every single one of them. Uh, the arena, uh, the football stadium, uh, the, 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 the lacrosse field. They even put up the, uh, the altitude there at, at that side as well. And Folsom Field, where the Colorado Buffaloes roam, sits 5,360 feet above sea level. Boulder, gorgeous town, right at the foot of the Flatiron Mountains. So Stanford, obviously a bit closer to sea level, considerably closer to sea level than Boulder is. How could that potentially affect things? And what other sort of variables do you have to plan for when you're playing against Colorado? That's what I asked David Shaw. His response? Just going through pregame warmups and feeling that shortness of breath. Um, usually it takes about a quarter and a half. Usually by midway through the second quarter, you're adjusted. But the first quarter, if you play a lot of plays in a row, you find yourself kind of gasping for air a little bit. Um, there's nothing really you can do to prepare for it um, other than prepare yourself mentally for it and for us coaches to be ready to make sure we're doing some good rotations during the early, early in the game if guys are playing a lot of snaps. But you know, the human body is unbelievable and typically you adjust um, before halftime and play the second half and it's just like playing at home. Yeah, interesting that he kind of took that tack about it taking a quarter and a half for you to adjust to the altitude. And I say that because Coincidentally, one of Bill Walsh's Walshisms is that when you're playing against an opponent and there's an emotional component involved, it takes about a quarter and a half, according to the great Bill Walsh, for teams to settle down and for matchups to take over. So, coincidence there that David Shaw, who of course knows a little bit about Bill Walsh, feels the same way about altitude taking a quarter and a half to settle in. Yeah, that might be a bit of an interesting coincidence there. And I really hope so. I really hope it only takes about a quarter and a half and then your body gets up to normal speed, especially the inside linebacker, where Stanford just doesn't have the depth it would like to, especially for a game like this and especially for conditions like this. Altitude potentially a problem for Stanford, by the way. Uh, the temperature will not be. It's supposed to be dry and the forecast high, 71 degrees. What month is this? Let's get to number three. Stanford has not packed its defense on road trips. If you want to win ball games, you got to win on the road and you have to pack your defense. Stanford has not done that to this point this season. And that is something that David Shaw is fully aware of. I think one of our biggest bugaboos the entire year has been giving up big plays, in particular on the road. Um, so making sure that we take proper angles in the secondary, make sure we're staying on top at the corner position and make sure that we're 
um, getting after the quarterback, make sure that we don't let a five-yard run with a broken tackle turn into a 40-yard run. Uh, those were all big things for us that have shown up on the road more so than they have at home. But uh, hopefully getting some rest and looking at a lot of different things and um, coming back with a renewed energy for this uh, four-game push. Um, hopefully we can cut down those big plays and um, you know, uh, play better, complete defense on the road. Yeah, it, it's been rough sledding for Stanford defensively away from the friendly confines of the Eucalyptus Curtain with USC running away and hiding from the Cardinal in early September. The game at UCF pretty much being over by halftime. And Oregon State making that game a lot more interesting than it should have been, really doing just about everything it wanted to in about the final, certainly 20, 25 minutes uh, of that game in Corvallis in late September. Stanford hasn't been on the road since then. It's been over a month since the Cardinal played away from Stanford Stadium. But that certainly needs to improve in a big-time way. And if Stanford wants to accomplish the things that it really wants to accomplish and the things that are still on the table, the higher echelon things that are still on the table, it ain't just about simply uh, staggering the bowl eligibility here. Stanford needs to pack its defense, especially this week and next week, too. So they got to face those Washington State Cougars. That will not be easy. And it probably won't be 71 degrees in Pullman next weekend. Those are three things. Stanford's won three of its last four after winning one of its first four. So the Cardinal now sitting at four and four on the season. But they got that fourth win in a big way. It, 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 we talked about this before the Arizona game that Stanford's entire hopes for victory against the Wildcats hinged on one man, K.J. Costello. Whether he was going to start and play in that game or not was completely going to dictate the entire game, and it did. Stanford, led by K.J. Costello, bringing Moxie back, yeah, to the Cardinal offense. That was certainly nice to see, and he brought it back to the whole team. I remember, I remember talking to Thomas Booker after the Arizona game, and he said, look, you know, K.J. brought it. He was telling us, you know, getting us hyped before and during the game on the defensive side. So K.J. Costello back in the fold, and it was a pleasure to sit down earlier this week and chat with him one-on-one. -on -one. Didn't shake his hand. <laughs> the thumb's still not quite up to, up to that speed yet. And he's a still a bum that he can't uh, appear to, uh, to grip a golf club right now. So gave KJ some dap. We ducked off into a, a side room, a, a conference room off the main auditorium at the Arriaga Family Sports Center. And we had this conversation, the tree cast one-on-one -on -one with Stanford quarterback KJ Costello. All right, KJ, here we go. The home stretch is coming up. Four wins, four losses, four games to go. Overall, how would you sum up how things have gone so far uh, for the season? Yeah, well, I think um, every season comes with a bit of uncertainty. Um, you know, obviously nobody plans for injury. Nobody plans for injuries to a team. Um, you know, I think we fought, man. I think that's something that's kind of a core value of this, uh, this program we've showed in year in and year out, at least since I've been here past four years um, but four and four you know I expect to be eight and four in four weeks um, I think we match up well against these last four opponents um, I think we're starting to play better football um, you know I still want to see our best football um, still want to see us play a complete game I think uh, you know Shaw said something interesting the other day in terms of statistics 
um, of you know the teams who win the turnover battle and win the explosive play battle have upwards of like 90% chance of winning the ball game in the Pac-12. Um, I think you know with Paulson leading to that defense and, and Malik and our pass rushers getting better and better each week. Um, you know, and I think we can help on the offensive side with explosive plays. I think we have a good chance to uh, be successful. Want to know the next four weeks. Let's go back to that Arizona game for a moment or so. Um, explosive plays, like you mentioned, specifically to Simi Fajoko. Uh, 11 different receivers, 12 if you count your catch, but we won't. Yeah. We'll just keep it at the 11. And you had 44 dropbacks and zero sacks. I asked David Shaw this question after the game, and I'll ask it to you. How close to the ideal of what this offense should look like every single week was that Arizona performance? I'd say, you know, I mean, I'm thinking back to some games we played, you know, ASU two years ago, you know, Bryce rushed for 300 and threw for a little over 200, you know, complete control of uh, time of possession, zero turnovers, um, 100% in the red zone. Um, and we say, we say points, but I prefer, you know, touchdowns. Um, you know, I think we look at the goal sheet and then third down. I mean, it, it was... I'd say the first half was close to ideal. I think there was uh, one. There was there was one time we got down there and got inside the five. I believe we had to kick a field goal. Like I could, I'm trying to think exactly. It might have been in the second half, um, but I'd say the first half was close to, to to ideal football for Stanford offense. I think the second half. I mean, granted, you know, you're going to call a little bit different game when you're trying to conserve the win versus kind of you know take the top off in the first half. But still, there's no excuse to um, kind of stall there. I think we stalled in the first drive out. We had the ball, which was a great, great oppo for us, coming fresh out of uh, halftime, which we weren't used to. My time here, we always <laughs> start in the reverse. But with the lead, a chance to extend the lead, I think, um, you know, I would just simply answer the first half. I think it was very close to ideal. Um, there's still things that I feel like I could have done, you know, three, four, five completions that I could have had in the first half that I didn't, um, and then the second half was more, you know, like I said, play calling was good around winning the football game, which is what I'm and everybody should be in favor of. Um, but still, there was, there was a little bit of lack of execution there in the second half. So I'd say, you know, we're heading in the right direction, you know, um, to, put it, to put it in simple terms. Things to, to grow on, I'm sure, for the, for the weeks ahead. One of the things that, makes playing quarterback at Stanford, at least seems to make playing quarterback at Stanford so unique is exactly what's placed uh, on your guys' plate before the snap. And certainly in the NFL, it seems like so much of the battle is won or lost between the time you break the huddle and the time you actually take the snap. Take me through what the process is like for you in between that point, pre-snap, what's exactly placed on on your plate, uh, playing and play out? Yeah, well... Um... Number one, I'm trying to get the plan as soon as possible so I can get, get it called as soon as possible, get the line as soon as possible so I have more time to analyze pre-snap. But also I like to change the tempo and get up there and, and, you know, force the defense to show me, not necessarily show me exactly what they're doing, snap it before they're ready. You know, so it's kind of a combination of, you know, I'm, I'm not going to act like uh, nobody in the country knows what I'm trying to do pre-snap. I'm also not trying to give away my pre-snap process, but... Um, I think that everybody understands that I'm going to line of scrimmage, typically with one, two plays, sometimes three, sometimes an alert pre a certain look. 
um, you know, taking care of protection. So I'm breaking the huddle. I'm getting to the line. Um, first and foremost, I'm looking front linebacker location safeties. I'm trying to get us in the right protection so there's there's no blitz that could come um, that'll make me hot. Um, and if there is, I know who makes me hot and where I'm going to go with that quick answer. Um, you know, I think uh, I'm trying to set the defense. I'm trying to, um, you know, maybe get from one play to another based on X and Y, um, get to one pass play to another based on X and Y. And these DBs often know that, and so they're trying to bluff, and often I'm, tr I'm calling their bluff, and, and if they want to get in a cat and mouse game, I'll just snap the ball, and they'll have to show me what they're doing. I'll snap it on first sound. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I don't want to, they want to get into that game, right? Because they want to kind of, um, they know that I have to react to them, so they'd rather slow down my reaction process. And, you know, it was funny, I was talking to Hogan a couple weeks ago, he came by and he talked about Flacco and, and and, you know, I was really interested in their pre-snap process because Hogan went through the same system and we're very, very process-oriented. But there is also a nice um, – there's something to be said about what Hogan said about Flacco in Denver, how he'd just come up, snap it on first sound, regardless of what they're doing, to force them to respect that they'll snap it early. You know, once again, not one to play that game. Um, you know, I think uh, – in ways our scheme's gotten simpler, in ways our scheme's gotten more complex, you know, depending on how you look at it. Um, so I'm trying to drive protection. I'm trying to see coverage. I'm trying to see where my quick answers are. Um, I'm trying to, uh, you know, see a one-on-one -on -one if there's a one-on-one, -on -one, if there's alert built into the read. And then from there, I'm going through what I train countless hours of practice. You know, we work all kinds of progression drills, you know, where eye discipline is crucial, who we're looking at, what kind of grass we're looking for, what space we're looking for. Um, and that's that's really it in a nutshell. And oh, by the way, you have to do all of that just in a matter of seconds. So piece of cake, anyone yeah, can do it. Many times <laughs> you have to do that entire process in about 10 seconds. Um, and sometimes you'd hope the bulk of it is subconscious, you know, because it, it does. It's, it's actually very interesting. Yeah, I never in my life feel more rushed doing anything than sometimes when I break the huddle and I have to get to a certain play, change the snap count because I'm on a double count, you know, and I can't run the double count because there's seven seconds left and I got to scream to get him lined up, snap it on first down, and get to the second play in a matter of seven seconds if that's what I think. Or it's a safer play and I don't know what they're doing. Um, you know, so I, it's, it's honestly, uh, last week was fun because I was really cued in, you know, to the game plan. I didn't take a ton of reps in practice, so I was, you know, plus super eager to play. But those matter of two, three seconds where, like, some other times, if you're not totally locked into what they're doing or you're not on top of your stuff, it costs you to delay a game. You know, we've seen it happen mm -hmm. um, uh, a couple times. So I think it was cool to really be um, – in the zone in those moments, especially down in the red zone, that touchdown to Simi. You know, we got in and out of a play in a matter of two, three seconds. Defense couldn't react. Boom, it was touchdown. Those kind of moments uh, are fun when, when you're driving the ship. And I got to give hats off to Drew because those guys listen very well to him and he listens well and we all are uh, able to operate in a matter of seconds. A couple last questions for you. Uh, take me inside the quarterback room. Uh, yourself, uh, Davis, Jack West, uh, Richardson. Uh, personalities, you know, compare and contrast what you guys are like, your approaches, physical skill sets. How would you kind of sum up the quarterback room for this season? Hmm. 
That's cool. Um, I think we have a very interesting group. I think one thing I've really enjoyed this year is we often uh, show up in the meeting room early every day because we're excited to hear somebody's, somebody who has a joke for the day. So that's been an interesting um, change up this year. Got to see different personalities there. Um, but Jack West, you know, starting with him, Southern boy, loves hunting, loves Alabama, you know. Um, he's a very uh, reserved but also smart um, individual. Um, you know, who we see as potential political candidate one of these days. Um, we have Davis, you know, <laughs> Davis is a good dude, man. I think he, um, I think maybe one day he'll be a GQ model. Um, <laughs> and then you got, you got, uh, uh, Dylan Plouts, um, loves Nebraska, uh, really smart kid, ex extremely analytical kid. Um, very, very talented in the classroom. Um, and then Jack Richardson kind of uh, adds the personality to the room, the gritty, um, you know, gritty, determined, uh, say what comes to your mind kind of guy, which, which everybody needs in the room. Um, and I think Pritchard does a great job bringing out everyone's personalities at different points in time. All right, let's wrap it up on this. The Colorado Buffaloes looming up next. The road trip to Boulder. Looked at the weather forecast. Uh, it was supposed to be a forecast high of 70 degrees. That's always good to see in November. Uh, what sort of things you look at the Buffalo defense? What sort of things pop out at you? What are your overall keys to watch on Saturday in, in Boulder? Yeah, I think, uh, well, A, starting with the fact that watching multiple games, we noticed that they play well at home. So we cannot underestimate these guys at home. Um, we've seen them bring a lot of pressure against teams that want to throw the football, like SC. We've seen them bring way less pressure versus the majority of the other opponents. So we're kind of going to prepare for both. We're going to understand both. Um, and I think we match up well on the perimeter. Um, I think we have a chance to make plays. I think we need to establish the run game. I think we need to do everything we did against Arizona and a little better in the second half. Um, I think that's, that's the plan. Pack the explosive plays, pack the defense, pack the 60-minute game, bring it all to Boulder, and then bring back a W. Sounds like a winning formula. Thanks a bunch, KJ. Always appreciate the time. Best of luck on Saturday and the rest of the season. Awesome. Thank you very much, Troy. Good stuff, as always, from KJ. And uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just fascinated by all the things that the Stanford quarterback has to do and to process before – the ball is even snapped. And largely in college football, that's not exactly the case. You know how it is. With all these teams going run, run, you know, go, go, up tempo, they get to the line of scrimmage as quickly as they possibly can. And then the offensive coordinator up top looks and sees how the defense is lining up. Then he makes the call. They have those funky flashcards on the sideline with all the pictures, and they make the play call from there. So all the all the thinking is done upstairs. And all the action really happens in college football, for the most part, from the quarterback standpoint, after the ball is snapped. That's not exactly the case, certainly in the NFL, as KJ and I discussed. And it's certainly not the case for the Cardinal either, where so much of the battle is won or lost between the time the huddle is broken. Look, you can have the most wonderful play call in the world, ready to go. And you call it in the huddle, and you're like, yeah, this is going to be dope. And then you break the huddle, and you turn around, and you get lined up, and you look at the defense's formation, and then you go, oh, crap, that wonderful play that we just called ain't going to work. Now what do we do? 
So that's why so much of quarterbacking in the NFL is getting out of a bad play and turning it into a good one at the line of scrimmage. Same thing at work for Stanford. So I am fascinated and was absolutely enthralled by, by K.J. Costello's answer explaining what, what sort of things he has to deal with before the ball is even snapped. And it's amazing because it took him, what, three minutes to explain that process? And that's something that he has to go through in about 10 seconds, if he's lucky. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. And it's one of those, it's one of those moments where, look, I, I know a lot about football, but I don't know a lot about football. And there's so much that goes into it every single week. You see what happens when you have the experience of quarterback that is able to process it and make the right decisions. We've seen that work both for and against Stanford at times. No, really, really no matter who the quarterback has been, because KJ's had his struggles too. But really fascinating to hear. That process to hear him take us inside the quarterback room and uh, always appreciative of uh, KJ's time. Looking forward to our next chance to chat with him. Stanford is mentioned at 4-4 four and four on the season in need of two wins for bowl eligibility. Stanford with 10 straight bowl seasons. That's the longest streak in the Pac-12, by the way. I, I, I didn't really realize that. But obviously the Cardinal are shooting higher. They don't want to just limp to six and six and, and and go from there. No, they want to, you know, you heard KJ tell us he wants us to, he, he wants Stanford in four weeks to be eight and four. That would be cool. And someone said to me after the Washington game, they're like, man, Troy, whew, boy, I'm glad that's over. Now the Cardinal hit the easy part of their schedule. And I was like, wait, 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 hang on, hang on, hold up. I can't call the second half of the schedule easy when UCLA still found a way to score 50 points in 19 minutes of ball time against the Washington State Cougars. Look how that turned out. When Stanford has Khalil Tate to deal with, look how that almost turned out before Stanford got in gear in the final 20 minutes defensively of that game against Arizona. And I'm darn sure not going to call road trips to Boulder and Pullman in November easy. Cal still very much has a defense. That heart's beating. Can't score, but their defense is still one of the best in the business. And you still got Notre Dame coming out to the farm, even though they've had their struggles here on the West Coast of late. Still a decent team, still a very good team. Ian Book having a very good year for the, for the Fighting Irish. So even though this is supposedly the easy part of the schedule, you should know by now, Stanford doesn't do many things that are very easy. And I am certainly, even though Colorado is struggling, they've lost five straight, certainly not considering this a potentially easy result for the Cardinal. I would love for around 3.30 on Saturday afternoon to be sitting around saying, wow, man, Stanford went in there and took care of business in a big way. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. Colorado. Very good at home. Major improvement, market improvement from their performances on the road as opposed to when they play at Folsom Field. At home, they beat Nebraska by three in overtime, and they've had close losses the rest of the way. Seven points, a seven-point loss to Air Force, a five-point loss to Arizona, 
and a four-point loss to USC, where they really gave the Trojans just about everything they could handle. So Colorado plays a lot better at home and a lot closer at home than they do on the road, where they've been blown out by Oregon, pounded by Washington State, and beaten soundly by UCLA. All those games were on the road. Last time, of course, Stanford saw Colorado was that 10-5 masterpiece three years ago. Ooh, I, I blocked that game out of my memory. But even though Colorado has been a bit of a struggle for them of late, still very dangerous and still very dangerous to Stanford. David Shaw sizes up the buffs. Uh, they play really well at home. Uh, they're going to be fired up. They fly around. Um, the last half of the season thus far, they've, they've really been an attacking style, like what, what Mel Tucker's been known for on the defensive side. And, um, I mean, they fought uh, USC tooth and nail and had them uh, to the end. Um, and that's what we're anticipating. We're anticipating an aggressive style of defense, um, anticipating multiple uh, the multiplicity of their offense with a, an athletic quarterback who's got some experience and um, uh, a star player that we have to account for and the variety of things that they do on the offensive side, you know, between spreading you out and running it inside and running it outside and some of their um, movements and play actions, um, uh, trying to play great team defense um, against the, the variety of things that, we, that they show and at the same time recognizing where that guy is every play. Um, and not to mention special teams is always a factor. And whether it's in the return game, uh, the elevation um, adds a little distance to every kick, as we all know. Uh, but uh, we have to be prepared to uh, try to make a, make a play in the return game and try to slow down their return game. So um, that's, uh, that's the way I'm looking at this game. Yep, will not be an easy task, and uh, Stanford will have to try to bottle up Steven Montez. I've always liked him. Uh, 14 touchdowns, nine interceptions so far this year. Uh, gets out of the pocket, does very well, makes very good decisions, and it seems like he's been there forever. I'm a big fan of Steven Montez, the CU quarterback. So is David Shaw. Experience, because he doesn't panic. You know, we've, we've had that before, and we had that, I believe, now with KJ Costello, veteran quarterbacks, played a lot of football. Um, Kevin Hogan, you know, when he was here, his fifth year, played a lot of football. Um, when you get in this guy's face, he doesn't panic. He just kind of backs up. He knows he's a better athlete than most guys going after him, so he can slide a little bit. He can move a little bit and buy a little time and put the ball in a safe place, um, either throw it away or scramble or, or give a guy a chance to make a play. Um, that's really what you see. And um, You don't hear a lot of people talking about uh, his speed and athleticism, but this guy's rushed for a lot of yards over the years, uh, both design quarterback runs but then also escaping the pocket. So it's another week, um, like last week, that we have to account for the quarterback's legs uh, as a key factor of the game. And you can't be a, a good quarterback without having good receivers to throw to. LaVisca Chenault, even though he's been in and out of the lineup, uh, one of the best in the Pac-12 when he is 100%, and maybe sometimes even when he's not 100%. What body control LaVisca Chenault has. He's fun to watch as he makes some of the most acrobatic catches that, that you could possibly come down with. If, if, if Chenault's covered, sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes that is not enough. And Montez is a guy who can certainly put it where only his guys can get to it. Now, some things to watch for Colorado. They're not very effective on third downs. They only convert at a 43% clip. 
And defensively, they allow conversions 49% of the time on third down. Might be music to Stanford's ears. And there's also this. Colorado's defense has allowed all of their opponents to score 30 points or more. All of them. Even Colorado State put up 31 on the buffs. So not necessarily impressive numbers for the Buffaloes per se, as they also give up uh, many explosive plays. They've also allowed many explosive plays so far this season. But are they able to be taken advantage of by the Stanford Cardinal? That's a big question mark. One guy I think perhaps everyone should watch out for here for Stanford, Connor Weddington. He has quietly gotten better and better and better as the year has gone along, and he quietly had a really large impact against Arizona. Led the team in catches and has had big kickoff returns throughout the year perhaps sparked by the big kickoff return he had at the end of the Oregon State game that led to the the Cardinals' uh, game-winning field goal drive. But he has really contributed in a big-time way in special teams. Uh, David Shaw knows that's going to be a factor against Colorado this time around. Weddington's been big in that area, but also has been uh, much more dependable uh, from a receiving standpoint. We'd like to see him make some bigger plays, makes a lot of little plays as a receiver, which is nice. I'd like to see him be a bit more explosive. That would be cool. But overall, I like the direction that, that Connor Weddington's been heading in over the past few weeks. All right, let's get to they said it, kind of our, our quote of the week. Stanford defense will have its hands full against Steven Montez and the Colorado passing attack, but but they also need to get it done on the ground as well. Michael Williams, the Cardinal defensive tackle, a.k.a. Uncle Julio in some circles, with his thoughts on the importance of stopping the run for Stanford. We want to stop the run. I think that's always been our, our main goal, stop the run, and then be able to rush the passer. So just making sure they teams don't run on us, and we know if we can get them behind us um, behind the sticks we can let our rushers go and it'd be a fun time then we just got to make sure they don't get the garbage yards three four yard carries each play and then we can have fun how much fun will they have well we'll find out we'll find out this is not going to be an easy test folks it will not be easy the good news is that some of the lessons that stanford defensively have learned over the last few weeks i like steven montez but he is he is not quite the the complete and total threat and singular offensive weapon that Khalil Tate and Dorian Thompson Robinson can be. And Stanford with mixed results against both those guys, but but good moments against those guys. Montez a better thrower, but he's he's equally slithery in and out of the pocket and can make and can make plays with his legs. Can the Cardinal get rid of the garbage yards and keep the, bo- the Buffaloes bottled up. That would be nice. I just want to see them bring a defensive effort, a full one for 60 minutes on the road. We haven't seen that yet so far this year. That's going to be critical, going to be key for the Cardinal this week in Boulder. Can Stanford keep up its momentum that it earned a couple weeks ago? Or will CU beat Stanford in Boulder for the first time since 1990? Think about that.
And some of you might still be pretty sore about, about that game. A bit before my time, but uh, <laughs> a controversial ending uh, back in 1990. Controversial endings were kind of the norm for Stanford football in 1990, weren't they? <laughs> Cal, Colorado, uh, Notre Dame was a bit interesting as well. But Stanford looking to keep up its dominance over the Buffaloes in Boulder, even though they've only played there twice since 1990. But still, but still, Stanford hoping to go 5-4 and four and come back home with a big win over Colorado. Let's see if they get it done. Noon Pacific, 1 p.m. Mountain, Pac-12 Network, Stanford Football, Football Radio Network, my guys Scott Reese and Todd Huzak on the call from Folsom Field. We will come at you next time, uh, midweek next week. So that'll be the next episode of the TreeCast as we finally get back into shape and into form. Bye weeks and, and mid-game weeks kind of really ruined our momentum on the TreeCast as far as the posting schedule is concerned. But we'll be back on it uh, from here on out for the remainder of the regular season. Hey, don't forget, hit me up on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Give me a follow there, at Troy Clarity. The last name is C-L-A-R-D-Y. You've got thoughts. I always welcome them. Hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast. And, oh, by the way, if you have not done so yet, subscribe, rate, and review the program. Google Podcasts, or Google Play, I should say, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere you get your favorite podcast from, we're here for you. We got you. We got you covered. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for checking us out. This is the TreeCast with Troy Clare.